Hi, this is Anita Hummel, the Global Trade Gal. One of the things that I enjoy learning about is where different things have come from. And I think if anyone's in the supply chain and you're developing products, it's always interesting to understand where things came from and just a little bit about the history. As I happen to be in home decor in the home furnishing industry, of course, I have an interest in some of these things. Today, I want to talk a little bit about lacquerware. Lacquerware originated from China, and some lacquerware has been found to be from 10,000 BC. The Chinese brought the lacquerware techniques to many other parts of Asia, so that's why you can find lacquerware in many parts of Asia. You can find it in you know, Japan, Korea, Vietnam. I've seen it in Myanmar, present-day Burma, Thailand. Basically, all over Asia, you've been able to find some kind of lacquerware. The Chinese lacquerware actually has two different forms. One is a lacquer that has a decorative painting on it, and another is a lacquer that's carved, and you probably have seen it where it's kind of a red-looking color. And I know that my grandfather, who lived in China for many years, he collected some of this, and there's a little bit of jewelry that we have that has this sort of like red lacquerware. It almost kind of looks like a, a stone, but actually it's, it's a carved lacquerware. The earliest Chinese lacquerware objects were mainly black and red in color, and sometimes they'd be a cinnabar or charcoal gray. And so, you know, it was really the Chinese that, you know, brought this whole lacquerware. That's why when you see antique Chinese furniture, a lot of it's kind of this red color. And if you've ever had an antique lacquer furniture piece crack, you'll see underneath there could be like a, um, like almost like a fabric underneath and you could see where it sort of cracked, you know, and you could see that fabric there because a lot of the furniture pieces, and even we do this still today in our own lacquer manufacturing of furniture pieces, we will put a piece of like a gloss or a cheese cloth over the entire piece of furniture and then put the lacquer on top of it. It just helps to add some stability. So the Chinese in their, their antique pieces of lacquer furniture were doing this, essentially the same thing. They were putting a piece of like a cheese cloth or some kind of cloth underneath and then putting the lacquer, which would be kind of like a mud on top of that and then putting the lacquer color. You know, China really did influence lacquer production throughout all Asia. And one of the places that really influenced it is Japan. Japan's lacquerware is actually quite famous and quite well known. You know, the Chinese re, um, view lacquerware a little differently than the Chinese. For the Japanese lacquerware, the shape of the lacquer object is paramount to the entire art form. And the earliest form of lacquerware in Japan comes from the Japan Nara period, which is 538 to 7... Um, 794 AD. So during this Nara period of Japan, it began to take a more decorative form and purpose. It's also when the Japanese lacquerware really started to become more refined with delicate gold and silver patterns. Throughout history, the Japanese have always appreciated the durability of lacquerware. And so, you know, of course, over the years, it started to take upon different types of unique shapes and finishes and, and other things. And that's why even still today you find many people who collect Japanese lacquerware, who, who, who love Japanese lacquerware and appreciate and feel like Japan is really the place where lacquerware comes from. But the truth is, it really came from China and then went to Japan. 
Vietnam has something which is sort of similar. Lacquerware was brought by the Chinese to Vietnam. If you know anything about Vietnamese history, you know that the Chinese ruled Vietnam for over 1,000 years. So when they ruled Vietnam, they actually brought a lot of things with them and lacquerware, and the lacquer technique was one of them. Today, outside Hanoi, you can find many lacquer villages. In fact, there's two main ones where the families there have been producing lacquer for over eight or 900 years, some of them. So there really is a huge skill for lacquerware in Vietnam. And the Vietnamese started to do you know, other things with the lacquerware. They inlaid mother pearl. They uh, did eggshell techniques. They're very skilled with gold and silver leafing. If you've been to Vietnam and you've been to one of their traditional uh, puppet shows, the water puppet shows, all of the puppets for the water puppet shows are made from lacquer. And I've actually been to some of the um, lacquer factories that make these water puppets. And, and you know, they're putting on the gold and silver, they're painting, they're making them waterproof. So that, that's a technique which has been going on for a long time in Vietnam. And, you know, it's a very, lacquer is a very intricate process because it can be anywhere from five, um, you know, it, well, lacquer is a very intricate process. It can be anywhere from 15 to 25 or 30 steps for the finish. So it is a process that requires a lot of handwork. And that's why you're finding, you know, in China as, as handwork or handmade things are becoming a lot more expensive as China begins to develop. That's why lacquerware in places like China and Japan are getting to be quite expensive and they're not producing it as much as they used to because it's just really, it's a handicraft, it's an art, and it's something which takes a lot of handwork. This is kind of a great example too of a, of a product that you know is imported into the United States. We import uh, we export quite a bit of lacquerware that is imported into the United States. And what we've done a lot with the lacquerware is we have updated the finishes, we've updated looks, we've updated the shapes, so that really it, it fits into an audience or into uh, designers or people who want to um, have the look, but they don't want to have it be a traditional look. And this kind of is, a, is also a great example for anyone who's looking to, you know, develop things like home decor, or some other handicraft items, that it's always really great if you can look at what the country is presently doing. And if you can say, hey, how can we make this so we can sell it in my country? Because you're, they're doing a couple things with all of that. One is you're helping to save the industry. You know, frankly, if these families that have been making lacquer for 800 years cannot sell their products or cannot export their products, then they will stop making lacquer products. And then one day, the entire skill will be lost. And that would really be sad for a country or a place to, to lose a skill that they've had for so many years and for so many generations. The other thing is, besides helping to save it, is you're also 
you're also helping the, the manufacturers themselves for them to understand that, hey, maybe to be able to sell this, I don't do it quite the traditional way. Maybe I do a tray um, in this shape and we do this finish on it. So you're also, in a way, you're helping some of these villages or some of these other places for them to be able to better understand these things for long-term survival for their industry. Because for a lot of these families, these skills are the only thing that they have. They may not have high education. They um, essentially grew up working in a lacquer factory, learning the skills, kind of like an olden time apprentice where they basically learned the skills from their grandparents who learned it from their great grandparents. And it went down from generation to generation. They taught their children these skills in the hopes that their children could earn a living off of these skills and to be able to survive and to help to continue the production within their own families. So whenever you go into a country like this, you see where they've had a long time producing something. If you are in the supply chain and you have the ability to do it, it's really a great thing if you can find a way to be able to help them to be able to keep these skills of handicraft or what other skills they have alive. Thank you so much for listening for this. This is the Need of the Global Trade Gal, where we talk about all different things with trade, um, practical advice, or just all other kinds of things. We have a blog, Mindoro.com, where you can find a lot of these things um, on our blog. And we hope you'll check out our blog and also uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel and keep listening because we really love um, to be able to have listeners and have people listen to our um, channel. And without you, it wouldn't be possible without your listening. So thank you so much. This podcast is sponsored by Mindoro. We create, develop and manufacture home decor and home furnishing products in Asia with a social conscience. We'd love to have you check out our blog at Mindoro.com and sign up for our newsletter. We'll put a link below in our description so you can easily go there. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please give us a thumbs up and leave us a review. This really helps. Thank you again for listening.